Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, welcome to Claret and Blue. My name's Dan Rowan. I'm joined by a special guest this afternoon, Jamie Kemble, live from Valencia. How are you, Jamie? I'm very good, thank you. Very hot, but surviving. <laughs> good, yeah. My uncle lives in uh, in Valencia and he sent me a WhatsApp the other day saying it was 41 degrees over the weekend and I was like, oh, I struggle over here when it's about 20, so I don't envy that part of it at all. You're here today to talk about Pau Torres, almost the, the expert opinion uh, video that we promised last week. Now, you used to work for, for our company. You were one of our sister titles at the Leicester Mercury. We crossed paths very briefly before uh, the 2020 COVID pandemic. So this video will be titled the the lowdown on, on Pau Torres, what Aston Villa are getting here. First of all, before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of his strengths and his weaknesses and all those kind of things, what's your just kind of general feeling towards this transfer? Um, I think the overriding feeling is, is, is it's a real steal for Villa in pretty much all categories, I guess. I mean, this is obviously a player who's been linked with some really big moves over the last couple of years and, and deservedly as well. He turned down Tottenham to stay at Villarreal and play in the Champions League. He's already achieved a lot in his career, won the Europa League, played in the Champions League semi-finals, played at the Euros for Spain, the World Cup and so on. And everyone always felt that he was, he was was his next move would be a really big one. Um, I think the the reason that, with no respect to Villa, you know, not to put him in that, that top category, that it hasn't quite worked out like that is probably just the centre-back market this year and the timing of it. I think it's just come to a time where he needs that new opportunity now and, and deserves one as well. Um, obviously, Villarreal sportingly um have done better than Villa over the last couple of decades I guess but Villa are, are a big club with a big platform of course you appreciate that and and that's the opportunity side of it so I think Villa Pau Torres is, is a, probably a level above where Villa are right now um obviously the ambitious club and could go towards that level um so there's a steal in that sense and, and of course the fee is, is a huge steal as well and Villa got lucky that Villarreal have done power favor in in letting him go um at any cost, I guess, at this stage, and let him go for a little bit cheaper as well. So it's just a big steal all around, I think, because he should maybe have gone to a, a top, top level club, but hasn't, and probably for a bigger fee as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great signing for Villa, no doubt. I should clarify that I called you a, an expert before we started this, and I haven't explained why, because you've got a Welsh accent, you came from Leicester, you now live in Valencia, what's going on there? You're a Villarreal fan, aren't you? So you've seen a lot of Pau Torres over the years. Can you explain how a Welsh lad goes via Leicester to Valencia supporting Villarreal? What what happened there? Yeah, it's kind of started when I was maybe like 12, 13, when I paid school trip. I also paid in there because everyone calls me posh if you go to school trip to, to, to Villarreal, but <laughs> definitely paid for it. Um, but yeah, kind of, uh, I guess, behind the, behind the scenes week to train at Villarreal and, and, and all, of, all that kind of thing. Uh, meet the players at the time, which have been uh, Robert Pires, Cap de Villa, some of the 
brilliant players back then. And that kind of stuck with me, I guess. Didn't become a Villarreal fan overnight. Not quite that uh, seducible, but yeah. Um, over the years, just kind of fell in love with the club, the way it's run, the character of the club. Um, came over to see a couple of games probably six, seven years ago now. Um, and then moved to Spain a couple of years ago and became a season ticket holder two years ago, I think now. Um, and so, yeah, I get to watch the club every week and I've been watching Powell for, for some time now. What player a Villa getting here? Because you, you said at the start about like he could have gone to a club above the level of Aston Villa, which you know obviously this is an Aston Villa podcast and we don't want to speak down on Aston Villa, but let's face it, they're not a Champions League club. They're not competing for the Premier League title. Not yet, at least. They might one day, but not right now. With Villarreal next season, he would have been playing in the Europa League. Villarreal finished fifth and then La Liga. Aston Villa finished seventh and it's the Conference League. So from a European perspective next season, it's a step down, but you can't deny that the, the, the Premier League is... You know, it's the big leagues and it's the league that players want to play in and it, it is a different um, kind of step up in some aspects to, to La Liga as well. In the video that we did last week, I said that he's a, a Champions League level player and some people kind of kick back on that saying, well, the Champions League club didn't come in for him, so no, he isn't. He's playing in the Champions League with Villarreal recently getting to the, the semi-final. So this guy, just because he's not in the Champions League with Villarreal next season or Aston Villa next season, he has the capabilities to be playing in a Champions League side, was my opinion. I'm someone who's watching him every week. Is he a Champions League level player? Yeah, for sure. I think he's, I think he's proved that. I think, you know, to, to fight back on some of the, the comments you mentioned, I mean, you know, this is a player who went to the Champions League with with, with Villarreal um, and reached the semi-finals, no less. Um, and, and at the start of that season, was offered the chance to play in the Champions League with another team in Tottenham at the time. Um, so it wasn't as if he just stumbled into the Champions League with Villarreal. Really it was recognised that he was a Champions League quality player at that time. And, it's, you know, I think it's just down to timing that it hasn't worked out that way this summer. Um, a lot of the, the top clubs have, all, have already got really good centre-backs. been a big investment in that area over the last few years. Um, probably started by Van Dijk, whenever that was. And mm. teams have been spending more generally on centre-backs anyway. So it's a, it's a bit of a crowded market. And teams are paying a lot for players in that position these days. But... You know, like I said, I think he's proven it. He's he reached semi-final with, with Villarreal and was undoubtedly a, a really key player in, in reaching that stage of the competition. He won the Europa League with the club the year before and had huge plaudits for his role in, in, in that. He played at top level for Spain. Probably hasn't seen the best in Spain yet, just due to partnerships. Um, mm. He's obviously a left-sided player and Laporte's been playing in there as well. And when he, They tried to play Laporte and Pau Torres together, two left-foot centre-backs and that unsurprisingly didn't work out so I guess it's kind of one thing or another for Spain but listen he's proved himself a Villarreal time and time again he's been right at the top of La Liga um, uh, performing at the best he'd be one of the best defenders in La Liga and certainly left-sided defenders in La Liga for some time and it's all about that ability on the ball um, Mm. which does not come too frequently for centre-backs of course increasingly more these days but I mean, his ability on the ball is second to none, so much so you could, you know, he's not a midfielder by any stretch, but you could probably play him there just based on his ability to play the ball. And that, that is undoubtedly what sets him apart from from other players. And certainly coming into England, which is a territory less familiar to players on the ball, of course, in the league, we're more, we're more familiar to it, that, that bringing the ball down, playing it out. And the Premier League is becoming more like that as we get more Spanish and European managers. But traditionally, you know, it's been that headed out of the box and the man to... To, to be physical, but that's changing and Pau Torres is obviously part of that now and I think Villa will really benefit from having a player who, who can do that as, as, as good as anyone else, I suppose. I just want to pick up on something you said there about the, the Spain links with Torres and Laporte playing together as two left-footers. And that's something that maybe sparked a bit of debate amongst Villa fans over the last week or so that Torre Mings was arguably Villa's best centre-half last season, obviously left-footed. The 
kind of argument is that Mings and Torres couldn't play together because it's two left-footers and that raises eyebrows that you don't see two left-footed, two left-footed players play together very often because for some reason it's more rare than two right-footers, which most people probably wouldn't blink an eye at two right-footers playing together, but it is awkward maybe seeing two left lefties play together. On the Laporte thing specifically, I guess, because I don't know whether there's any examples at Villarreal of, of Torres playing with a, another left-footer, could he do that or was it just a Laporte-Torres thing that was a problem? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's an interesting one. I think there are factors, you know, I think Torres and Laporte... Just you know, it's not as if they came into it was the Euros. It was a big problem. The last Euros, they've had what two weeks to appear for the competition. Mm. Um, that centre back role had been rotating all the time through the qualifiers, and then they were kind of thrown together for the Euros um, when it would have been Luis Enrique at the time. Wasn't quite sure on which centre back pairing to go with, um, and it just didn't work out. So there are factors to that. I think you know you have a good preseason with another centre back partner working together day in day out. That 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 could be different, I think. And also you got to obviously keep into keep in mind that Laporte and and Paul Torres are quite similar players in that mm. it's ball first on the floor for ball on the floor first rather. And that may not you know you know Tyron Mings better than me, but he strikes me as more a physical player and someone who will. will will lead with the head more than Pau Torres. They may be able to complement each other in different ways, whereas with Spain, they're expected to get the ball down every time at centre-back and play it out. When you've got mm. two players doing exactly the same thing on the same foot, uh, preferring the same foot, that can be a little bit predictable when, when someone's pressing you from the other side. So I think there are factors, you know, I couldn't sit here and say it's going to work perfectly or, or it's going to be a disaster. But I think as long as there are differences in how the two approach the game, um, I think that that will help. There's a There's a probably a sense from England that he's not as physical in the air and so on. So I think it's probably true that he's not another tall centre-back. He's six foot two, I think. In any sense, even with the right footer, it's probably best to play a more a more physical player next to him. Just so you've got those two options in, this, in the centre-back, you've got kind of both areas covered. So yeah, I think as long as they, their strengths differ a little, um, I think they can complement each other well as long as that is at play. Yeah, we've seen under Emery that he wants to play out from the back and the centre-halves and the full-backs and everybody has to kind of buy into that. And to be fair, Tyrone and we can't serve both developed massively over the last six months at getting better than that whoever plays is going to have to you know play out from the back so whether that is a problem that two left footers are doing it I do think the things you mentioned there about the the aerial ability or the set piece defending and things like that is a, a minor concern against uh, from some supporters that he, he's not as physical as someone like Tyra Mings so if he's coming to replace Tyra Mings you can only have one left foot and a half you lose what Mings brings to the team and Torres doesn't quite have that whilst he's far superior on the ball than Mings would be and any of our centre halves are you lose that kind of leadership and that presence I guess that Tyra Mings has so 
I would like to see them both play together and Emery will know exactly how he wants these guys to, to work anyway. He won't have signed them thinking, oh, where, where do I play Pau Torres? Like, he's got a plan worked out already. Has he played in a back three at any stage and had success with that? Because we're looking at Conza, Mings, Diego Carlos and Torres as four very good centre-halves. Do you think, well, maybe we'll play a back three and then there's more chance of rotation there? Has Torres done that? Yeah, I believe so. I mean, the Emery's largely played with a, with a 4-3-3 at Villarreal or did, mm. did play the 4-3-3 at Villarreal. Um, but yeah, I've had no concerns of that really. I think because he's, you know, left-footed, you play, to play on the left side, um, you can play on the left side, centre-back, have a physical play on, in the centre, in, mm. in the slightly more deeper central role, and then another ball playing centre-back on the right-hand side. I think that would work perfectly, to be fair. Because, you, you know, you, you can take the stress off physically, I think, by playing by playing mm. three and then pr- playing so more physically, more physical rather, in, in the centre holding. Yeah, I don't think there'd be any concern with that. And then, you know, his, his distribution ability to play and play up the wing back and, and keep the ball, I think, yeah, I think it worked really well, to be fair. I was scouring your Twitter before we started this. To, I just searched your name and Power Torres just to kind of get some real-world examples of you, like, live-tweeting during a game as a supporter watching them. There's one that I said, didn't quite appreciate the pass from Power Torres to create that goal. How good is he at those balls in behind? My goodness. And there's also one I've deleted from my document that said about, like, how he takes a cracking penalty. I don't know what game that was for, but I remember the one against Man United in the Europa League. Where's this penalty thing come from? Because Villa don't really have a penalty, penalty take at the moment, so if Power Torres can step up and not one in from 12 yards, I'll take that as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've seen him take a whole, whole bunch of penalties, I think. Everyone took a brilliant penalty in that that night to the Europa League final, yeah. um, and that that game meant that meant game meant most to Paul Torres, Villarreal local lad, um, mm. coming to play for his for his hometown club. So maybe just a spirit at the moment. I don't know, but he, I think he put it in top corner on the night, and yeah, maybe you never know. <laughs> but yeah, I think that he's got that technical ability, hasn't he? So I think take the penalty is no problem. And as for distributions, passing, yeah, he's, just, he's a brilliant passer of the ball, undoubtedly, and. That'll be one of the things Emery looked for um, mm-hmm. when signing him. And like I said, probably that, that tweeted comment, which game is from, but you can play a lovely kind of long ball cross into the box, long ball forward. He'll set, he'll set attacks in motion from the back and he was mm-hmm. always expected to under Emery. He still is under Setien now, at, at, well, was at Villarreal. See, yeah, there's, there's no concerns there. He'd be, he'd be one of the best passing centre-backs in the Premier League, I would think. We've read a quote in the last episode we did and I'd urge people to go back to, to listen to that because I'm kind of repeating myself a little bit here. So there's a quote on one of our other sister titles, London, when Emery was still the manager at Villarreal saying that Pau Torres is unlike any centre-half he'd ever seen at PSG in Arsenal and everywhere else he's been. What will that relationship be like between Torres and Emery and them kind of relinking back together? Because any manager bringing any player into pre-season and getting them to learn their ways and whatnot and kind of settling them into a new country and a new club is is vitally important for any manager. But that process is sped up a little bit by the fact that Emery and Torres already know each other very well. How important will that relationship be, do you think? Vital, I think. I think it's one of the things that stood out for me in this deal. Because, you know, someone who's watched Paul Torres over the last few years and, you know, I love him as a player, as a bloke, he's great as well. You know, he's much loved at Villarreal. Yeah, we wanted, you know, it's no secret, we wanted him to go to the highest club possible for his next move. And obviously that wasn't the case here. Again, no disrespect to Villa, it's just not, it's just not where the club are at the moment. Um, but it takes a, a great deal of comfort, I think, in seeing that he's gone to to work with Emery because mm. um, any, any player to go into any new leagues is a, is, is a tough adaption process. It happens quicker for some than others. We saw Lissandro Martinez, who was now build one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League all of a sudden and you know he had a terrible start to life in the Premier League and he was fortunate to have a manager who believed in him uh, and, and what you don't want to see is, is a player of Pau Torres' calibre go to a Premier League side get 
you know, a couple of games and then thrown out because things go badly. And that can happen and has happened to so many players going to new leagues. And the Emery factor almost guarantees that doesn't happen. Emery just loves Pau Torres, again, as a player, as a person. The two got on like a house on fire at Virial uh, at every press conference, certainly in the Europa League. This was like, we got, we've got to win this for Pau Torres. He's, he's, a, the, he's just the local lad, I guess, the way of putting it. He just kept re-emphasizing that we've got to do it for Pau Torres. I think some... There's a Virial documentary, but you win the Europa League, and he's in the training room half time. In, in I think it was the final, and he was like, "We got to do this for Pau Torres." That, that was the kind of relation these two these two had. They absolutely loved they loved each other. And I think that'll continue, and, and it guarantees that he'll get time, he'll get opportunities, and if it mm. doesn't work work out, finally find a way for him to for it to work out. You know, and not just because of the fee, but because he wants him to succeed. And uh, with the court you've mentioned there, it's clear that he wants him to succeed as a player. He believes in him. He'd get the opportunity for that to happen. He'll help him improve. He'll help him settle into the Premier League. Obviously, this isn't Emery's first role during the Premier League either. So he knows the differences between La Liga, Ligue 1, Premier League, etc. So that relationship, I think, will be vital. And uh, it gives, gives me a lot of comfort seeing, seeing him go on to, to another club and, and almost being guaranteed that, that stepping stone, that stepping path to, to success. Because you mm. need someone to believe in you ultimately. That's really comforting to me as well, knowing that the manager and this new signing get on like a house on fire because that, that obviously bodes well. What about his kind of potential then? You kind of look at the age and go, 26, he's in his prime, like he should only be getting better from here on out. We've said a couple of times and you've said about him being a Champions League level player and ultimately Villa don't match the ambitions of the players they sign and Villa are still doing well, these players will get hand-pucked to, to clubs that are in the Champions League. But obviously our supporters and I kind of said in our end of season show last season that why can't we have a crack at the top four? Like, if Newcastle did it, why can't we? So, you'd like to think that Villa will match the ambitions and if we get into the top four, Torres and the likes of Martinez and people like that stay with us because that's where they want to be as well. Is that is, is that his kind of ceiling, do you think, playing in the Champions League regularly? That's what you could see him doing, hopefully with Aston Villa. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, he's, like I said, linked with Manchester United regularly over the last few years and, and by this year well. and Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, that's the, you know, that's the kind of level he's looking at, I guess. Um how that goes from here, who knows? Because there's an element of risk, isn't there? Of you know, of, of joining a club like Villa, who've got big ambitions, but I'm not there yet. You know, how does he fit in? How does he stand out at Villa? It's obviously a difficult process fitting into another league, and it's difficult to stand out right away. It might take a couple of years, and is that progression path? Where does it go from there? We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think he's a he's a player with immense potential. Much because you know he stands out. He's because he's left footer, like you said, they're not that common. These days, left foot and centre backs, and certainly not left foot centre backs who can play with a ball on their feet. You know that attracts those players are attractive to the very best managers, the Pep Guardiola's, etc. He'll benefit from that in the future, I think. He's a player with big potential. Uh, I'm sure people will disagree about where, what his potential is. Um, certainly, but after this season, I guess it wasn't Villarreal's best season. They probably should have been in top four, but. Things happened. Gerard Moreno was injured again. Um, they changed. They were changed managers. That was your fault. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit of a disruptive I'm season. Sorry then, but I'm not really. <laughs> yeah, it was inevitable at some stage. But yeah, they only furnished a couple of points behind Real Sociedad in fourth. So that it was a kind of, I guess, from uh, the overall thing was it was an opportunity missed up to finish in the mm. top four. Severe way off it and. Uh, but also, like I said, Real Sociedad didn't have the kind of change of manager. So the factors behind that and, and I guess Powell's reputation, not reputation, but uh, the hype around him may have suffered a little bit from Villarreal. Slightly disappointing and they went out of your conference league because they put kids out in that competition as well. So, you know, if, if you come off the Champions, reaching Champions League semi-final or win the Europa League, the hype is just everywhere and everyone's like, you know, you could go, you can go wherever he wants. He's one of the best centre-backs. And then you come off a season like that, it's a little bit, 
tapered a little bit, I think. Um, and that's what he is at the moment. I think people disagree on, on what his ceiling is. But listen, for me, he's already proved he's Champions League ready player. You, you don't play, you don't reach semi finals of the Champions League and, and play every game, you know, until the semi finals and cope perfectly fine and not be a Champions League caliber player. You know, yeah. that's, that's the. That's the litmus test, right? Well, I don't want to focus on weaknesses too much because we're a positive podcast. We're signing a big player here, but we've got to touch on it because every time we do one of these new signings videos, we say, let's do strengths and weaknesses. Is there anything in his game or his personality that you kind of think he might not be able to translate what he's done over a long spell at, at Villarreal into Aston Villa in the Premier League? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think the, the, the ball playing thing is fine because, you know, even if it takes some time to get adjusted to Emery's the kind of manager who says, play with the ball at the feet and if something goes wrong, then it's my fault. You know, mm. it's that kind of manager. We saw um, Geronimo Rulli, the keeper uh, at Villarreal, who repeatedly made mistakes with the ball at his feet and Emery would come out and say, well, I ask him to do that. If it doesn't, if, if it doesn't happen, if he makes mistakes, that's on me, you know. So if mm. Pau Torres makes mistakes like that, I'm sure Mings has a long way, et cetera. Um, Emery's going to take the blame for that. He takes that risk when, when he asks players to do that from the back. And Pau Torres has, has been asked to do that. The Villarreal hold on to the ball to the very last second. And there, has been one, there have been one or two mistakes, not many for, for a player who does what he does, to be fair. But yeah, he's has to keep on to the ball to the very last second and then give it out, create space in behind, let the press come to him and, and exploit that. So there are probably going to be slight mistakes on the ball. That that's kind of comes with the way Emery plays, I think. In terms of actual weaknesses, I guess, like I mentioned, is you know he's not the tallest of centre backs, so six foot four centre backs, six foot five out there. Um, he can head the ball perfectly fine. He scored headers of Villarreal. He clears plenty of balls out the box with his head. Is that his main strength? No, probably not. Um, and like I said, it, his first instinct is to bring the ball down. So it, hmm. it'll be interesting how that that translates in the Premier League again. I think Emery asks that anyway, and he'll ask that more of even even if players are more adapted in the air like Mings and the other centre backs. Um, I think it is useful to have an aggressive centre-back next to him for that reason, though. I mean, obviously, the Premier League is a bit more physical in terms of what they ask of centre-backs. Um, and he's had Raul Albiol next to him for quite some time at Villarreal. He's a really commanding, experienced centre-back that he's been able to lean on in, in certain moments with aggressive strikers and so on. They've worked well. They were a brilliant partnership between them. Can rekindle some sort of version of that at, at Villa. It would be a, a really wise idea. And I think Mings is quite similar fact kind of profile player, kind of dominant, yeah. aggressive. Um, so I think there's something to work on there. So I guess I guess we'll see how, how, how his kind of weaknesses play out in the Premier League because it is a different style. Um, but I, what I'm saying, I think, is that you can 
protect him against those weaknesses from the off by you know you play around him and that that accounts for any signing right you know you, yeah. there's obviously you 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 contribute you you kind of complement players across the whole starting eleven I'm sure that's what Emery will do he'll know what Emery what Paul Torres isn't particularly what's not his strength and I think you complement that well and like you said he'll already have a plan for centre back partnership or back three or whatever he's going to do and we'll see I think he's better than he like I said than people give him credit for but it's true that he's not like an absolute unit you know he's quite yeah, yeah. quite lean and, and but we've seen Lissandro Martinez we've seen him get away with it plenty now and now that he's comfortable at Manchester United so the Premier League's changing, I think, so I think you'd benefit yeah, from that. Definitely is, and the way you talk about him playing next to like a powerful centre-half, it feels like Mings and Torres could be a, a great partnership. It's just the two left-footed thing that is the, is the only minor one. If, if Mings were the right-footed, you'd be going, oh, this, is, this looks good, this does, and it could still mm-hmm. be that, but that two left-footed is, is going to raise a few eyebrows with, it, with a couple of people. Finally, I just wanted to talk about what he is as a, as a man, as a character. Villa seem to have acquired, obviously, good transfers in terms of players on the pitch, but good people as well, which which seems important to the club, having a good dressing room of good people in there. Torres has been at Villa House since he was a, a child, essentially. What kind of legacy does he leave behind there? And what kind of what kind of person is he? What does he bring off the pitch? Yeah, in terms of legacy, he's a club legend. He's always going to be. He's, he's one of the few people. You know, Villarreal is, is, is a town of 50,000 people. So while the academy system is brilliant most people come in from different most kids come in from different provinces etc so you don't actually get that many people who were born in Villarreal it's a very mm. small town like I said so he's one of the few who's come through and not only that he's come through and, and represented the club brilliantly on and off the pitch won the Europa League like I said Champions League semi-finalist he's achieved history at Villarreal he's loved for that he's always taken part in the off-field activities he's always central to the community efforts relatively quiet Happy fella, yeah. It's all I can say. He's just, just a nice, nice. Guy. He always seems a nice guy. Um, whenever he's speaking to to the press or anyone else, gets on with teammates well, and he can be a leader on the pitch for sure. And obviously, there's a little bit of bias in that. It always felt like Villarreal is his club, and it is. Um, so it always mm-hmm. meant that much more to him. It'll be interesting to see how that translates to a club that's that he hasn't got an affiliation to yet. You know, the professional football players, of course, they got that competitive ability set in any way. Um, so yeah, he has been a leader on the pitch. He's not the leader. He's never been that. Um, you know, there's been bigger voices like Raul Albiol in the dressing room, but yeah, an ultimate professional on and off the pitch, and uh, and Emery knows that. I think he must have said that about him in the past, uh, and that'd be a big reason behind behind signing him as well. So um, yeah, I think it's interesting what you said about signing good people. That that is a huge factor for me, um, especially mm-hmm. when clubs get money like Villa have. It's easy to just go and sign talented players, but it really works out unless you've got. Uh, squad that can buy in professionally on and off the pitch and and uh, yeah Paul only contribute towards that I think yeah lovely stuff Jamie thank you very much for your time this afternoon very insightful fascinating to, to listen to and hopefully Villa fans watching along with this will feel like they know more about Paul Torres as a, as a player and as a person as well uh, so Jamie thanks for your time go and enjoy some sunny weather and go to the beach or something I don't, I don't know still got to work unfortunately before the beach so <laughs> back on with that yeah lovely stuff Jamie thank you very much for your time thank you very much for watching this podcast um, leave a comment down below what you what you think of the Paul Torres signing uh, like I said Jamie thanks for your time thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you again very soon 